Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 127 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. Hello, everybody. It's hard to believe it, but here we are. We are less than one week away from the start of Nebraska's college football season. Pretty exciting, huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And for those... I. I... I was going to say, I, I really can't believe it's, it's, it's already here. Uh, I've been somewhat distracted. Maybe this summer would be a, an accurate thing to say, but I'm, uh, I'm glad it's, uh, it's upon us. I'm looking forward to a great season of college football. Me too. Me too. Uh, and for those who may be listening to us for the first time, this is a father son duo here to talk about college football by college football fans for college football fans. And today we're going to be focusing on some news that's happened since we recorded a podcast last week, uh, as well as our predictions for the upcoming Nebraska-Northwestern game as we get into week zero of college football. Yeah, I don't know who ever thought of that term, week zero. (laughs) (laughs) It is a little (laughs) odd. Before we dive into all that, though, uh, we're going to stick with our tradition and crack open a beverage uh, yes. Today, like last week, I have a uh, Japanese uh, Sapporo here. Good beer. Sapporo. And I'm also going uh, international in my beer choice tonight. I'm drinking a Labatt Blue from our friends to the north. Since I'm here in Michigan, it's a great summertime uh, beer uh, for us to enjoy. So we try to take advantage of it uh, when we're here in Michigan. So here we go. All right. There we go. Oh, that does taste good, actually. And I was hesitant to open that, Alex. I'm glad you encouraged me. <laughs> uh, I'm such a good son, aren't I? Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, well, I love Labatt, too. Can't get it here in California, so right. I like to have it when I'm back. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into the Nebraska-specific talk and talk about that Northwestern game, uh, like I mentioned, we're going to dive into some news. Uh, and the biggest news since we last recorded was that the Big Ten media deal that's gotten a lot of uh, attention and speculation uh, was finally publicly released, that it's been signed. Um, and it is a seven-year deal for over $7 billion set to start in 2023 with uh, the usual suspect of Fox, FS1, and the Big Ten Network alongside some new contributors like CBS, NBC, and NBC's streaming service Peacock. Uh, No ESPN, uh, which was noted by everyone in the media, um, and with different escalator clauses if new members are added and things of that nature. Um, So it seems to be quite a win for the Big Ten and Kevin Warren in terms of the money they were able to put together for this deal. Right. Well, yes and and no. I I would say, actually, as I as I had a first read of it, I thought it was a uh, it was not as high uh, as as I had heard rumor it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like all the speculation beforehand seemed to indicate that it was going to be higher. Um, but but it's still you know a record breaking deal, and you know there, there seems to be a lot of. Uh, 
of emphasis in the reviews of the deal about this whole point of having these exclusive um, uh, time slots, right? Like you're going to have each one of the major partners having a window that is kind of devotedly theirs for the Big Ten. Uh, you know, the Big Noon on Fox, then a 3.30 type of game um, for uh, CBS, and then the evening for NBC, right? And all three of those over-the-air networks, right? No, not even cable. So so the, the reality is, is that potentially you're going to have three Big Ten games on free over-the-air network television every Saturday. Um, and apparently there is commitments uh, between those television partners to cross-promote, meaning that you know Fox won't just be promoting their big noon game, although I'm sure that's the one they'll promote the most. They will also be promoting you know the CBS game uh, that's the, the next game of the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious to see if that materializes and how that materializes. But if they actually get that accomplished in a way that is, uh, you know, a genuine promotion of the next game, that would be unprecedented that, you know, networks were basically cooperating with each other to promote their product. You, you know what I mean? And not be on the same um, uh, network. Right. I I do definitely hope that that does come to fruition because one thought I had upon reading the news was that um, it could definitely get confusing to people versus the simplicity of just saying, hey, everything's on Fox or Big Ten Network. Now it could be in any number of these places. Um, and so you, right. you might have to kind of do more research. But if the networks are helping that along by yeah advertising the next big game, that's later that right. day on the neighbor network. Uh, that would definitely help, I think. I agree. I think that would be a big, big deal uh, because you're right. Otherwise, it's going to be confusing. In fact, I think I'm confused because you said Peacock. Is it Peacock or is it Paramount? Nope, it is Peacock. Um, it's Peacock Plus. Uh, well, they're, they're streaming. Well, no, theirs is just called Peacock for NBC. Oh. Um, so okay. it's, yeah, it's. In I this, thought it was Paramount. Uh, Paramount Plus, but okay. Yeah, no, good. It's in association with NBC, and there were, from what I saw in the article, there were uh, delineations of like how many games will be on Fox, how many games will be on NBC, how many games on Peacock. And Peacock had the least, I think it was like eight exclusive games or something. But I can't see that being an annoying point in that, like, oh, you have to get a subscription to this obscure, kind of obscure streaming service. Uh, right. Just to watch, you know, the Nebraska uh, Ohio State no, game or, or Michigan right. game, you know, later in the year, like a high profile game, you know, and that's the one time you're going to use it the whole season or whatever, but you need to pay for it. Right, right. Yeah, that will be a pain in the tush that that won't go over real well. Right. If that's the way they play it up. I, I, I suspect they won't. They Those eight games won't be you know, a, a blockbuster, it'll be more likely like a Nebraska against Illinois. That's the one that'll end up on Peacock, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, something I, like I, that. I'm going to bet the opposite myself because uh, that's how they encourage, you know, that makes it worth People NBC's to sign while. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. But regardless, 
Um, I mean, uh, as we talk about this particular thing, I think I think what's precedent setting also about this is that they again uh, were able to enter into this agreement, and it's a shorter time frame than our main competitors like the SEC. So our, our we will be up for another contract renewal before uh, SEC the SECs is done, right? Like two years before it. So that's a big deal. I think in terms of uh, uh, if there is escalation in the marketplace, we will be able to take advantage of that quicker than they do. Yeah. I think I saw something that like the ACC's contract was like until like 2030 something like after 2036. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which people are saying it's the worst deal of all time or something. Right. Right. It, it really, I mean, they did it long-term because at the time, what they thought was the securing interest was the guarantee of rights, right? Which which everybody in the SC, in the ACC signed, so they signed a legal document basically turning over their uh, media rights to the conference until 2036, and that's that's one of the reasons why it's held it together, right? So it was a it's basically a a poison pill, right. Um, where, where if you want to leave the conference now, you're you're walking away from your media rights because you have legally uh, granted them to the ACC, regardless until 2036. So until until things get a little closer to 2036, and you could maybe bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna concede my media rights for two years or something. Um, you, you know, you're pretty much stuck. Yeah. So so. Yeah, rough deal for them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, I'm not sure when the SEC's contract um, expires, but when they renegotiate, that'll be interesting to see, especially if the landscape has changed with more expansion by that point in time. Right, right. I totally agree. Um, and I think expansion will happen more than what we know today. So so that's certainly uh, um, a high likelihood. Let's say. Yep. Um, well, and speaking of that, um, Kevin Warren, as part of this announcement, did say that, quote, we are not done expanding um, and has even suggested that maybe 20 is the number that he's looking to get to. Um, and just today, as we're recording this on uh, August 22nd, um, there was news that uh, Oregon talked with Big Ten representatives at the media days in Chicago uh, just preliminary talks, apparently, about uh, joining the Big Ten. Um, of course, it's all just reported from sources, so, you know, got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but Oregon was one of the teams we specified on our previous podcast that would definitely be worth going for. Right. Well, and 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 I'm there was enough smoke around that school, as well as a few other Pac-12 Pac schools that um, – I'm fairly certain that they are, have have at least had conversations with those institutions. Now, whether or not they've gone anywhere uh, serious or if they've gone way serious, you know, and have basically said, yep, we're ready to go if uh, you guys want to extend the offer. So then it becomes just a matter of, of the Big Ten deciding, yep, okay, we want to do this, and then they're, they're good to go, you know. Uh, but uh, – We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm a little surprised Oregon's the one we hear about first because I, I genuinely thought there might be some other schools like Washington and Stanford 
uh, that might, uh, you know, generate some buzz first, but it might just be organs, the one that with the leaky wheel or the squeaky wheel, rather leaky <laughs> wheel. <laughs> That's a different type of wheel. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you could be right on that. Um, and there was also a little bit of news that um, the CFP board of managers, which includes various chancellors and presidents from different universities, um, they had a short meeting where they discussed uh, college football potentially operating outside the NCAA uh, under this playoff uh, umbrella that's been formed, um, which does make some sense if the NCA was out of the picture. Um, you know, this is our, our already a pre-existing body with you know uh, structure uh, that could kind of step in for that, and it's already running the playoff system. Um, but obviously, it would require a huge expansion of their current activities and all that stuff. Uh, so. Not something that's going to happen at all in the short term, I think it's safe to say, but uh, the NCAA's situation is certainly precarious, so we'll have to see. Right. I I, I agree. I think that organization, uh, excuse me, organizationally, they there is a lot of people having, having conversations. I think the conferences are, I think the individual athletic directors are having it within their conferences. They're all talking about okay, what what do we think is next? What are the possibilities? And and frankly, if you're the college football playoff, you're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, the NCAA isn't involved in our college football playoff um, at all, right? So none of the money from the bowl games or the college football playoff um, are are flowing into the NCAA. You know, the the, the conferences have their own TV contracts, so the NCAA really has no dog in the hunt for college football already. All they so they have the burden of trying to enforce rules and all this kind of crap. And so I think that uh, they might be happy to have the NCAA football division one, you know, disappear because frankly, it's just an expense for them. Right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, um, but I suppose you're right. I mean, they must be getting some money, of course, through it all. But well, they, they, I, you know, I, I would say possibly there's some, you know, um, because we still call it the NCAA, you know, college football, right? So, so there's some marketing aspect of it, but in terms of revenue, they don't get any television money, you know. Uh, they don't get any media money of any kind, not just TV. Um, so where where is the revenue from college football that goes to the NCAA? I don't think there is any. I, they get all their money from basketball, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I I uh, I think the NCAA might be more receptive to college football playoff committee saying, "Go ahead, take it. <laughs> you guys, you guys deal with this headache." And oh, by the way, now you have to become the enforcer. Right. Uh, and that's the part the NCA does a very poor job of. So um, creating rules and then enforcing them is not their best forte. Right. Well, and I know one group that wants to be involved in that uh, TV money uh, is some of the players. I've heard some uh you know, prominent players commenting on that, you know, with this new Big Ten media deal and all that. Um, and I think that might become the next kind of one of the next steps in this whole NIL situation, right. because right now it's all not from the conferences, not from the colleges themselves. Right. It's all third party uh, sponsorships yep. and things like that. 
Um, right. But it becomes something different if all of a sudden there's a legal challenge, right, saying that we deserve portions of this, uh, you know, TV contract money that we're directly influencing. Right. Well, and and that's where I think that there's probably, well, I know there are already conversations going on. That was another thing that uh, uh, Commissioner Warren did uh, did already kind of say publicly that, you know, the idea of paying players is definitely on the table and, uh, and probably is being seriously discussed because uh, it's maybe one of the only ways out of the NIL mess uh, that if, if they could somehow bring the name image and likeness back under the control of the institutions, the individual colleges, right? So the, the student athletes would, sign a different document that basically does give their name, image, and likeness um, uh, to some extent back to uh, the, the institutions. But in exchange for that, the institutions are now going to pay them some structured salary. And, and, but if they do that, then I, uh, the, 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 the legal battle shifts from the players, I think, to uh, the federal government and the state governments in terms of determining them as a taxing entity. And do, do the athletic departments become taxing uh, businesses, and, mm. which would be a huge implication for the institutions from a business perspective. They would effectively now be employees. And so now you're having to take – it's not just giving them money. It's now you know, contributing to Social Security. Um, you know, um, I mean, you name it, right? Medicaid, Medicare, they're employees. So uh, – you know, being an employee, and you remember when when you were growing up, and we had employees. I mean, an employee is often twice whatever we pay them, right? If you're paying them for nice round numbers, if you're paying somebody ten dollars an hour, then it's really costing you about twenty bucks an hour after you consider all the other expenses associated with that hour of work. Does that make sense? Right. So, so if if all of a sudden they decided they were going to give athletes you know, $60,000 a year, the reality is it would probably end up being about $120,000 a year after you consider all the taxes and, and um, you know, uh, Social Security and other obligations that the schools would have. So um, it gets very complicated very fast. <laughs> it definitely does, which is why we have the Wild West of NIL right now because uh, they didn't want to yeah. deal with all the complications of that, you know, with – uh, legal pressure hanging over their necks, you know, for well, expediency. And, right. And how many of these college students, uh, you know, cause basically when you're doing name image and likeness stuff with all these institutions, uh, all these other companies, how many of them are getting, they're not getting, uh, uh they're not employees. So they're not, so they're going to be 1099, you know, contract employees. Right. Right. So, so uh, how many of these athletes are going to end up, with problems where they are uh, defaulting on their taxes, you know, three years into the, in the, they're going to be they're going into their senior year. And well, he isn't going to get a play because he's now been uh, found guilty of tax evasion and, <laughs> and he's going to prison, you know, I mean, right. so, so now all these kids are going to have to get themselves a, a good tax attorney uh, or uh, accountant and make sure that they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's. Mm-hmm. That's true. Cause I mean, especially the ones that are making serious money, you know, exactly. which we've already which, seen. Right. So 
hopefully, you know, someone's given them good advice and they understand that, you know, some of this is going to have to go to taxes. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. So I think with that, we can move on to the Nebraska side of things. Um, we yeah. talked we talked last week about our predictions for the season, and both of us gave the same uh, eventual prediction of 7-5 and five for the season. Uh, that's what we think is reasonably uh, expected. Um, but we both emphasize the importance of this Northwestern game because we have a harder – harder half of our schedule in the second half of the year and that we have the Oklahoma game coming up as our fourth game and this is also a Big Ten Big Ten West specifically game as the first game of the year so for all those reasons this game is super important Um, and we've had another week of uh, practice and updates since we last uh, talked so uh, what are your takeaways from all that news dad well I, I would say that uh, it sounds like, you know, we, we've had a, a couple of injuries, but I, I haven't heard of any other major type injuries. There there are some concerns about, you know, our offensive line, right, which was already probably the single biggest concern for Nebraska, but some of them did not get uh, all the snaps in the fall camp, right? They have been being held out for injuries that were undisclosed, et cetera, et cetera. So I really don't know where we're at uh, in terms of health along our offensive line. And to me, that's going to be one of the most critical elements of the game uh, uh, is how our offensive line does against their defensive line. Because if we cannot establish at least a semblance of a running game uh, and establish that line of scrimmage, uh, then we're going to probably be in trouble. (laughs) I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Because I, I think it's pretty clear what, what Northwestern's going to try to do. They're going to try to establish the running game. They have uh, what many consider one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten. Uh, not, not the best, but certainly a very, very good one uh, with some you know NFL talent uh, along that group. Um, and they're going to – they have two really talented running backs, uh, and they're going to line up and smash us and see if they can get first downs and shorten the game and run the clock and, and beat us ugly. That's I'm pretty certain that's their game plan, play, play action passes to go after some big plays, but, but mostly just be disciplined, you know, minimize their mistakes and let Nebraska do what Nebraska does, which is make mistakes. And then we'll just lose the game on our own self-destruction. Right. That is, that's the Northwestern strategy, right? I think, uh, and it sounds to me like in terms of how they've described their preseason camp, that's kind of been their deal. They've, they've spent a lot of time talking about uh, their off- offensive line and their running backs um, um, and that their quarterback is going to be good. You know, I, I, I haven't heard a lot about their passing game. Right. Well, one thing I did see is that uh, they have – two quarterbacks kind of competing for the position right now. And it sounds like it might be a game day decision on which one they go with. Um, So that's an unknown we're going into the game with. Uh, Alternatively though, I saw a quote from Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's coach uh, saying that it's been difficult for them to prepare for 
uh, Nebraska's offense because he's looking at our offensive coordinator's past work, you know, with the past teams as well as uh, some of our transfer players, you know, having to look at their film, you know, and kind of think about how is that going to sync up with Scott Frost's offense and the returning players that they do have on the offense. Um, so there's an air of mystery for us that could work to our advantage if we come in and execute and don't make those mistakes. Uh, I think we could definitely uh, get out to a, a big lead early, which would be ideal. That would be ideal. And and you are right. I think that's a legitimate concern for Northwestern as they prepare for us uh, is the unknowns. Uh, but again, that's less of a concern once you, once you a- are able to determine that you can control the line of scrimmage against Nebraska, you know, because our offensive line isn't capable of moving their guys around. But that's not necessarily a sure thing. Northwestern's defense was, frankly, probably one of the worst that's been under Coach Fitzgerald last year. And I think they have only like four or five starters back from that bad defense, right? Now, that's probably a good thing since it was so bad. Maybe you won a lot of new players. Uh, but but bottom line, it's not like they had youth that they're going to now be able to enjoy, you know, second seasons with or whatever. So uh, I will be very curious to see what their defense can do against our offense. And if we're capable of running efficiently and and relatively mistake-free, I think we we have the chance to to have enough success to 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 win the football game. But I I think it's a big if until I watch that offensive line actually move somebody off the football and not be having all these stupid, you know, false starts and dumb penalties. Right. Uh, I agree with you that I think our offense versus their defense is going to be the kind of key to the game because um, in terms of our defense, right, it hasn't gone through as many drastic changes as the offense had. Uh, And in our game against them last year, that was uh, Scott Frost's best game where we beat them 56 to seven and we're really able to shut them down offensively. Now, obviously I know they've got a new quarterback, you know, and they're, They've got some better running backs, sounds like, and things like that. Um, but we've also heard good things coming out of our our fall practice about the performance of the defense and everything. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good that the defense will be able to slow them down, you know, and that they won't be able to score tons of points. You know, they're not like a super explosive offense in general. But I think, like you mentioned, the key will be, does our offense stutter too? And if that's the case, then it's a coin flip. I would agree. I would agree. And it's so hard to predict this game for that reason. Um, I, you know, I could easily see a scenario where, where we play like we did last year in the first game against Illinois and, and we're befuddled by whatever Northwestern's doing and our offense is simply not able to get on track. And so we just don't look very, uh, you know, poised or prepared. Um, and that uh, I could also see a scenario where, where we did look, pretty organized and we are clean uh, at least initially um and then we get out to a big lead like you like you said because we're able to have some success on offense and then our defense plays pretty well uh i'll be curious to see how our defensive line is is able to defend against the run um uh because i think they're going to be heavily challenged against northwestern's running game that's that to me is the key to stopping northwestern 
Right. And one other thing that's been confirmed since last week is that uh, Casey Thompson will be the starting quarterback for Nebraska. Not really a surprise to anyone who's been paying attention. Um, But we did comment on how uh, one of the keys to that big blowout victory that we had against them last year was Adrian Martinez, who had a great day and was obviously a very good running quarterback and able to scramble out of uh, broken down passing situations. Uh, Casey Thompson is not that, but he's also supposed to be a much better and more accurate thrower. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out, you know, and which kind of approach uh, works better against this Northwestern team. Uh, I would agree with what you said there, uh, at least as it relates to, um, you know, uh, um, our quarterback and how he differs from Adrian last year. Um, he, it's not that he can't run. He just doesn't run. Right. Like he's got some talent. His dad was a, uh, was an option quarterback, very talented quarterback. In fact, uh, when he played, so I know the guy's got athleticism, but he has been trained. And this is something that Adrian never really did. Well, it was not one of Adrian's strengths, which is the ability to step up. And that might actually lend itself to our offensive line. Cause if you look at our offensive line this year, it's massively tall. Uh, I mean, our left tackle is 6'10", and our right tackle is 6'9". <laughs> so, right. so so that usually comes with long arms, right, that can allow you to just keep um, defensive ends at bay. Well, uh, you might not be super strong, but you can at least push the guy and make him go around you. And if both of our tackles can regularly succeed in doing that then our quarterback should have a pocket that he can step up into right and throw the football b- giving him the time to go through progressions etc and if we can successfully you know defend that way uh then our offensive line will will give the quarterback success um then the, then it then it comes down to the running uh, to the receivers and whether or not they can run the proper routes get separation and make make receptions. And I think against this Northwestern secondary, we should have the ability to have some success there. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons to think we could do well. My only problem is I've watched Nebraska for the last, you know, five <laughs> years and I don't have that confidence. Yeah. More like the last 10 years <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But, um, one point of interest is that um, I know we have had some transfers out of the program, including uh, Step, our running back, who played some uh, last year. Um, I know from our previous conversations that running backs is one area we are feeling positive about. That there's a lot of talent in that roster. Um, so he just kind of got pushed down, it seems like. Yes, I, I would agree. I think he was a guy, you know, he, he had had, uh, just like at his time at USC, he had some untimely injuries where when he was on the verge of, of maybe establishing himself as at least a running back that was going to be part of our rotation last year, you know, he would end up with an injury. Um, uh, and, and next thing you know, he's out for, you know, a few weeks. Then by the time he gets back, other players have established themselves and the coaches have kind of moved on as the season was progressing. Right. And they're just not, they're not going to risk it to, to throw him a, a bunch of snaps. So um, he was a guy that just never quite was able to get over the hump and, and establish himself at Nebraska. So I, uh, I, I kind of expected his departure, 
I think most people, uh, who, you know, who've been following the program would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So I, I, I wish him, I wish him well, hope, hope he can find, cause I think it's his fifth year. This is his, you know, super senior type of situation, if I remember correctly. So hopefully he gets to play a few snaps before his career is over. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I looked up what the spread was from what I saw. Uh, we are minus 13. Um, so we are definitely the one expected to win, which, you know, makes sense in terms of talent and everything. But looking back at the history of how back and forth we've been with Northwestern over the years, um, it's definitely one of those games that's very dangerous, especially as your first game. Um, so for me personally, in terms of score, I'm predicting that um, both teams will score some uh, because of, you know, maybe mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. Um but not definitely not as high of scoring as the last time. Um, so let's think. I'll say I'll say something like uh, twenty four Nebraska to uh, fourteen Northwestern. That'll be my prediction. Wow. Okay. All right. You know, I I I think your general description is pretty accurate, Alex. Um, my inclination uh, is to go a little higher with the score. I, I would also agree that, you know, uh, I think uh, a lot of mistakes are going to happen, penalties, things like that, which are going to reduce the amount of scoring. But I don't think it's going to be that low of a scoring game. I think the unusual environment, the, the, all the circumstances, all the, the, the change that is involved in going over and playing, uh, you know, a game in Dublin – and uh, I just sent you a picture of Nebraska's locker room setup, and it looks like a high school locker room uh, kind of situation because they don't normally have to, you know, accommodate seventy-four players. So, um, um, you know, it, it's just going to be very uncommon uh, this whole experience for the players in terms of their preparation and everything. Okay, so with that being said. We've already talked about the keys being, I think, our offensive line against their defensive line and their offensive line against our, def- our, our defensive line. So it's, it's that line play that's going to ultimately be the deciding factor in this deal. Uh, and if we have, uh, if it's a draw or we have success, then we're going to win and maybe big because I think our, our athletes, our running backs, wide receivers, and uh, our skill talent in the secondary probably is better than Northwestern's. So I think we have the advantage if it's if it's neutral, but I have a uh, I have a, a suspicion that Northwestern's likely going to play better at the line of scrimmage, and that's going to tighten this game up considerably. And uh, I'm going to still go with the good guys, Nebraska winning the football game, but I'm going to say that it's going to be um, it's going to be like twenty seven to twenty three. Mm. So it's going to be a close game, uh, but Nebraska's going to sneak it out. We may score early, but then Northwestern scores late to get it close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So your score prediction isn't that much higher than mine. So we're both thinking that, you know, those first game jitters will kind of slow down the offenses of both sides a bit. Um, Right. uh, But but then you have one defensive score in there. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and uh, I'm I am curious for special teams because I I, I want to see no. how that does, uh, given that we've heard that it's 
been improving and we have a new special teams coach and all that stuff. So I hope to see a, a nice field goal on our side somewhere along the way. Well, and actually, uh, apparently, uh, Northwestern has a, a, a real threat at, uh, at, um, you know, punt return, kickoff return, a guy that has some, some serious, uh, you know, uh, what do I say history and, um, we'll see if he can burn us, but maybe our coverage will be better and, and we won't let him out of the bag. That'd be nice. Um, and one last thing to talk about, which is, of course, the location, which is Dublin. Um, we talked a bit last time on how uh, Nebraska probably will have the advantage in terms of fan attendance, uh, but not like a significant advantage uh, just because it's so expensive to travel overseas and all that stuff. Um, it won't be quite the sea of red that we might be used to at some away games. Um, and you will be there in person to check out the game, which will be very exciting. Oh, I will, I, along with your mom and one of your sisters and some other relatives and family, um, some of my your aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters. So we're going to head over there, uh, in fact, uh, in a couple of days, and uh, it should be fun. Uh, you know, it, it looks like, uh, you know, even the airport is already decked out in Husker and Northwestern, uh, you know, colors and stuff. So so the city of Dublin is at least putting in an effort to uh, – to get excited about this event and, and what it will mean. I, I have a feeling that, you know, Ireland is probably looking forward to having some U S dollars spent, um, <laughs> you know, uh, by uh, travelers that have been gone for a few years of COVID. So um, it should be a great time. I think uh, they're going to be ready to welcome us and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching the game. Of course, it's like nine 30 my time. So it is a, uh early one um but it's also <clears throat> the only real other game of significance on that week zero is wyoming and illinois um so for those who are watching college football uh on this last week of august uh our game is definitely the most prominent one so it'll be interesting to see uh, what sort of attention that gets, you know, and as we said before, uh, a win here is great momentum for us to go into our next two games that should both be easier before the Oklahoma game versus if we lose, we're having a Big Ten loss right off the bat. And especially if it's bad or we see the same sort of mistakes that we've seen in the past, uh, the pessimism of the Nebraska fan base, I think, could spiral quickly. Boy, you've never said anything more accurate than that right there. <laughs> I think that's absolutely dead nuts on. And that's the thing, Alex, is that, you know, if, if Nebraska played clean and our offensive line was able to do okay against a defense that isn't exceptional, you know, it's not like we're playing, you know, a top 10 defense. So if we just did that, then we could win this thing comfortably, right? We could win, we could win this thing, you know, not maybe like last year, but let's say, you know, 42 to 14 or 21. I mean, I could see a nice, comfortable victory for Nebraska. Uh, but I could also see us spiral into mistakes and, and self-destruct a little bit. Uh, but there's been an awful lot of, you know, uh, positive vibes coming out of Nebraska's camp. So we'll see if this is the year that Scott can turn it around. And But if it doesn't happen, um, the the importance of this game cannot be cannot be overstated it is going to be amazing how fast we spiral into disaster 
if we don't win this game. It's a must win. It's as close to a must win as as Scott has had as in, in his entire time at Nebraska. This is make or break because I, I don't see him sticking around for next season. If he, if he doesn't win this game, then there's a bunch of other games I can already tell you he ain't winning, right? So this is a must win. Right. Well, and I, I will pause on that slightly to say that, you know, obviously new offensive coordinator, first game of the year, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's possible that we might look kind of bad, lose this game, you know, lose Oklahoma. But then by the middle of the season, we figured some stuff out and we beat Illinois and Rutgers and all those teams we have in the middle of our schedule. You know, we get back up to a six, seven win season, you know, like we want to be, you know, that is still possible, but it would be much easier and more secure if we had that Northwestern win. Well, See, I, I just I'm not sure that because I, I will tell you that the Nebraska fan base will eat its own young after this game if we lose. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean it, it will it will it won't spiral uh, slowly. It will spiral like like you know a tornado. <laughs> I mean it'll it will and and so Scott's ability to keep you know the ship together and to keep the kids' attitudes and the, and the other coaches' attitudes, um, I could see this thing spiraling out of control really, really fast if we don't have the kind of success that says, okay, all this off-season conversation, all of this supposed additions through the portal and everything like that means nothing, okay? Because we still went and we played a team that we beat you know, 55-7 to last year and we went – over to Ireland, and because we weren't ready, because we weren't prepared, because we did not have good coaching, we lose to them in a game where we have way more talent than they do. Because I think that is true. If you line up our roster and their roster, we have more talent. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep, it is a yep. critical turning point, and it's only game one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gotta love exactly. it. But, but, but here, l- let me paint just a, a brief thing of optimism. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but we are we're camping and, and I've got uh, a group of coyotes howling out the window right now. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, what I was going to say was if we win this game, okay, even if it's a, sh- a tight win, like my score prediction, it's still a W. Then you come home, you have, you have a, a couple of games against lesser competition that you should be able to beat. And all of a sudden you find yourself three and going into the Oklahoma game. Now you have reasons to be optimistic, not only about the Oklahoma game, but, but about um, the season in general, you know, and, and then, then, then the hype machine, right. Then the fans are the opposite. Now they're clamoring for a victory over Oklahoma, right. Which isn't very realistic, but it will be if we're three and zero. I mean, people will be absolutely convinced that it's going to happen. So that's how important this game is. Very true. Very true. All right. Well, we'll be back on our uh, weekly podcast schedule here moving forward now that we're getting into the meat of the season. I saw that there's actually a lot of good games next week in the wider world of college football. Um, So we're getting off to a good start as we get back into uh, dad's favorite time of the year. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so if you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can reach out to us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a rating or a review there. We always love hearing from the fans. Um, so thank you all out there for listening. And thank you, Dad, for joining me for this episode. 
And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red.